Welcome to Slayer Fest 98. I'm Matthew Rodriguez. And I'm Ian Carlos Crawford. And today we are joined by Scooby and New York Times bestselling author and author of the upcoming novel Slayer. Kirsten White. Yay. And co-host of Buffering the Vampire Slayer. Kristen Russo. Yay. Yay. And Kristen, we're so happy to have you. Since it's your first time on Slayer Fest 98, would you like to give us your Buffy origin story? Sure. Um, well, I am of the same age as Buffy, <laughs> so I knew I knew of, of the Scooby gang when I was in high school, but I didn't watch the show. I actually felt very betrayed by the fact that um, the Buffy from the movie was not the Buffy in the TV show, which now, of course, I've learned the error of my ways. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I didn't know it very well. And then uh, when I met my co-host for Buffering the Vampire Slayer, Jenny Owen Youngs, she was like, uh, listen, you have to watch this. She owned the DVD box set of both Buffy and Angel. Um, and I actually tried to watch the series once and failed because the first season really the first season really didn't do it for me um and so then a couple years later she was like listen what if like you already know you're a kid of the 90s you know the basic premise you know about angel you know about the soul so like let's just start in season two um and go from there and so when we started in season two then I fell in love with the entire show and actually the first time I watched season one was when we watched it with the podcast uh, and I loved it I loved the first season when I watched it again because I loved the characters like I didn't mm-hmm. I I just didn't have the connection to the characters the first time through. Huh. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like Matthew and I both, and I think Kirsten too, all agree. The first season is rough. It's like you love it because you love the characters, not because you love, you know, I saw a tweet that was like, compla- it was like people complaining about Sabrina and the blurry effect didn't watch season one of Buffy that was lit by like one single candle. That's <laughs> <laughs> so true. Um, so true. And Matthew, it's so nice to have you back. It feels like home. Thank you. Um, (laughs) And today we're all here to discuss the feelings episode known as The Gift. Um, Before we get into the episode itself, I wanted to talk about the previously on, which I think is like absolutely iconic. (laughs) This is where like I wish, I mean, obviously I love the guests that we have, but like we've had guests from the show and I want to know who is in charge at a network of making previously ons. Like, is it someone Mm -hmm. from within the show? Is it someone at the network? Like I need to meet the person who does this because one, obviously this is the most iconic previously on of any show ever, ever (laughs) period. But then also is anyone else mad that they didn't do this again for season seven? Yes. (laughs) I always get mad when I watch this one. I'm like, I think about how disappointed the season seven one is because I went to the final episode going in thinking they would do it again and they didn't. And I was yeah. so but it's such a gut punch and they do it in this one. You couldn't really do it again. Like, I feel like it's a one time and they did it in season five. Yeah. I was wholly unprepared. Like, I had no idea. Yeah. I like, like innocently sat down on my couch and hit play and was like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> this is like really took me by surprise. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like an interesting I don't, it's like a it's it's like a it, it almost makes you feel in a way that you never think of the previously on on things as like an art form you know like yeah. there's like actual thought going into it and there mm-hmm. you always there always is because they have to be able to catch you up on the plot in about 15 seconds kind of yeah. 
But like yeah. this one is like whoever's job it was to do the previously on at Buffy was like, this is my moment. <laughs> like, fuck all of you. I am going to make a piece of art. <laughs> so true. It's so true. I really envy the previously on, especially writing series. I'm like, can we just have a previously on montage at the very beginning of this book so that I don't have to like casually mm. work in reminders to the readers of what happened in the previous book. But yeah, man, this is like next level previously on. Matthew, I hadn't even thought about that to think that, like, it wasn't, like, you know, any of the writers. It was just, like, the previously on person was, like, I'm going to do this. Like, I got right. this. Right. Because I really, I really feel like the previously on person is someone who, like, I don't know. I mean, I don't, know if, I don't know if it's someone who works for the show. Like, if there's one editor whose job it is every week, like, you're Especially the, back the, then. The, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know who it is. That's a question that I need people to answer. <laughs> it's a talent, I think, that is very under-recognized. I agree with you. Like, I, I just feel like in, like, the edits, I mean, listen, when you edit a television show, I'm not saying it doesn't take talent, but to get those main points across in, like, two seconds and the way that they always, I mean, this one is especially insane, but, like, <laughs> even in the even in the basic ones, like, the way that mm-hmm. they cut the lines and they change the angles and they change what you see, it's like, oh, wow, we could have watched, actually, that whole episode in two seconds, I guess. I get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, they have to be, like, a really good editor to know, like, oh, these are the two lines from, you know, this long-ass scene that you need to know. Right. And like, yeah, that is, like, an art form, yeah. <laughs> um, All right, Matthew, that'll be our goal for next season. Find, like, who the person who edited this was. Seriously. <laughs> so going into the episode, obviously, it starts with um, the boy in the alley. And I love the the opening, like, the pre-credits opening scene. One thing I love about it is that usually when there is a pre-credits opening scene... There's some kind of like Joss or whoever's writing it tries to make some kind of story happen. And they're like, no, no story. We have to cut to the deep, deep meaning of being a slayer. It's just a boy in an alley. Yeah. <laughs> There's no plot. There's just a boy in an alley. Right, right. Yeah, I read in the, um, I, I often do my research on IMDb. And so I was reading about how the scene was like done intentionally, you know, with the thought being that this was going to be the last episode of the, yeah. of the series that like we would open again in the alley like for for mm-hmm. old time's sake you know mm-hmm. right like it does that job like it definitely does the job of like summing up oh this is what it means to be a slayer i mean i feel like also is definitely a, a choice that she's saving a young boy right doing the same thing they did in the first episode where you know darla's in her schoolgirl outfit and she's actually the one attacking the like creepy guy so yeah. if i were the person writing this episode i would have had it be like a rehash of the darla thing where there's like a female vampire and a guy and buffy stops that because in the first episode she's not able to stop darla from doing that mm. like darla True. does get the kill because buffy's not in sunnydale yet mm-hmm. and so i always think when i watch this that i would have had like a girl um just kind of like sauntering along with this guy going to like bite him in an alley and Buffy stops it. Hmm, Right. But then like, I mean, yes, but also I love the ending line, which I feel like wouldn't have happened, wouldn't have been able to happen Mm -hmm. where he's like, you're just a girl. And she's like, I that's what I keep saying. You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. so like that she's the one, like she's the only girl in the, in the trio, I think lets that line happen. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. It is a very like charming scene too. Like the, her delight that there's a vampire who doesn't know who she is. Oh yeah, that's yes. the best just part. that wink to the reader or to the viewer. Yeah, like, I love it. Also, the kid's shirt that's like four <laughs> sizes too big. Right? Did they do that on purpose to like make him seem younger? 
Who knows? Did he come straight from the set of Blues Clues? It was like, I mean, it was it was 2001, but it was still late 90s. So I feel like baggy stuff. We were still in the baggy era. We were like a little. We weren't yet post baggy. <laughs> Speaking of shirts, I just wanted to shout out uh, as I as I mentioned to you all before we started recording. I um I'm jumping from season four into season uh, end of season five. But I I really was excited that Buffy still loves a really good white sweater for her dirty oh, work. Yeah. <laughs> she, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. still there for that and that she's still uh, carrying the faith influence with those leather pants so like mm-hmm. noted <laughs> <laughs> also i know we have someone some readers who watch slayer fest 98 who make videos for us sometimes like that are super cuts i really want when um buffy like smashes the vampire's leg and he says my leg i want it super cut with the my leg shout from spongebob that happens like in all those episodes <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> That's a formal request I'm putting out for the My Leg Fish. Um, I am too old to know what that reference is, Matthew. Oh my god. Like, every... um, Not every, but, like, there's the recurring joke on Spongebob whenever some calamity happens. Like, there's just a fish that yells out My Leg, and it's, like, iconic. (laughs) (laughs) I will send you a clip of the My Leg. There's, like, My Leg compilations on YouTube, because it's so funny. (laughs) I've watched them. Well, now I feel like a youth. I know something. Um, <laughs> so then we get the gang discussing the ritual before, even right. before Giles yells. I think this, specifically this scene, and in season seven a lot, I it depends on, I feel like, where I am emotionally, um, as to whether I think everyone's being unfair to Buffy or Buffy's being unfair. And mm-hmm. in this case, I do feel like Buffy's being kind of like an asshole, like... Oh, yeah, no, you're all going to die if my sister's going to die. But if she doesn't die, then we'll all live. Feels yeah, like I think a she's, very unfair take. She just seems like... So, again, jumping from season this season to... Or last season to this season, I was like, oh, my God, they're all so tired. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. it's like everybody mm-hmm. is so freaking tired. Giles, at more than anyone, I was like, dude, you need to lay down and take a nap. Yeah, yeah, um, needs a nap. But, like... Right, but like Buffy, that's how I interpreted like Buffy in this in this moment or in you know in this decision that she's making is, and later she kind of talks about it too. It's she's just like I'm over this. Like I'm mm-hmm. I'm done killing people I love. Like it's not like it just seems like it's not worth it to her anymore. Yeah, um, which seems like that read to me. Like that definitely yeah. read as valid. <laughs> well, I yeah. mean, I feel like the thing is, and one of the things that I don't like about the way season five ends and and how they kind of steer the plane is that. Buffy's language throughout the end of season five and basically the whole weight of the world episode is that Buffy becomes like someone who's very depressed and Mm -hmm. it's, it's very hard not to read the ending of the gift and like, I mean, or I mean, sorry, it's very hard not to read what happens in the weight of the world and the beginning of the gift as like Buffy becoming more and more like nihilistic about the world Mm -hmm. And like, I don't know, it, it's just, it, it, it's weird. It, it's very different from like the apocalypse is that they've dealt with before and with season seven, like where it feels like, okay, we're going to rally all the troops and do this thing. She's kind of like, I have to do this fight and it sucks. And I just like kind of hate that I'm alive right now. Season five has been about taking things away from her. And she does, she gets to the end and she's just like, no, this is a bridge too far. I won't lose this. If I lose this one thing, I don't care. Everything can go. That's. I mean, she did. She lost Riley, which did make her upset, and then she lost her mom, and then now she's dealing with losing Dawn. Um, but then also, obviously, if 
whatever Glory's planning succeeds, losing the entire world. Like, that doesn't get talked about enough, the apocalypticness of the apocalypse. (laughs) (laughs) Like, they kind of gloss over just to have conversations about, like, losing Dawn. Meanwhile, like, a dragon is about to come out. (laughs) Oh, my God. I can't wait to talk about that dragon. Dragon surprised the shit out of me. I was like, dragons? Since when? (laughs) Um, Also, I wanted to point out that, holy shit, when Giles yells, yes, we bloody well are, and, like, slams his fist on the table... Everyone's acting is, like, A+. plus. Like, I rewound the scene, like, ten times because uh, everyone's reactions around Giles. Like, Willow and Xander both, like, physically jump. Um, and Spike just, like, moves his head to look at Giles. Um, <laughs> and, like, Gile- like, Anthony Stewart head immediately, so- like, he yells and then immediately softens his face, right? Because Giles mm-hmm. feels bad that he just yelled at Buffy. And we see Buffy's reaction to it. And, like, her face gets upset, and then she goes stone cold again and is like, tell me, tell me to kill my sister. And it's just so emotional. <laughs> I'm like, mm-hmm. my babies, I love all of you, don't fight. Yeah. Um, one, one thing that I love about this scene is everybody's point of view is valid. Yeah. Like, no one in this scene, no one in this scene is unsympathetic. Like, there's no one where you're like, no, we can throw that point of view. It's a garbage point of view. Like, they all have perfectly valid points yeah that that's that's really accurate too it's like a really good assessment because no one no one is in the right or the wrong and Mm -hmm. i actually feel like part of giles's frustration is that he feels like he has taught buffy what's necessary like what's the win condition for the situation she's facing like as a slayer and i actually feel like she's frustrated i mean he's frustrated that she is is throwing that out the window at, at one of the most crucial moments yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and then I wanted to say that Anya's interjection is maybe, after her monologue in the body, like, my absolute favorite Anya scene. Um, and I think it's really important for her character development. And now we're going to do a reading of that scene. So I will be playing Anya, and Kirsten, who will you be playing? I will be playing Willow and Tara. And Matthew? I'll be playing Buffy and um, Xander. And Kristen? I will be playing Giles and Spike. Don't let that make you think I'm going to do accents. I can't. I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Kristen, would you like to start us off? I will, quietly, in parentheses. (laughs) (laughs) If the ritual starts, then every living creature in this and every other dimension imaginable will suffer unbearable torment and death, including Dawn. Then the last thing she'll see is me protecting her. You'll fail. You'll die. We all will. I'm sorry. I love you all, but I'm sorry. Okay. All in favor of stopping glory before the ritual. Suggestions, ideas, times of wasting. Uh, when you say you love us all. Shut up. Willow, <laughs> I bet you've got some dark spell of Bruin. Uh, make her a, a toad. A little hoppy toad. We can hit her with a hammer. <laughs> hoppy toad. What about Ben? He could be killed, right? I mean, I know he's an innocent, but... You know, not like Dawn innocent. I mean, we could we could kill a regular guy. God. It's doubtful he'll surface again this close to the ritual. We can expect its glory we're dealing with. We don't have to kill her. Uh, we just have to stop her from doing the ritual. I mean, there's only the one time she can do it, right? Yeah, we get her on the ropes. We just got to keep her occupied till it's too late. Okay, I'm still not hearing enough ideas. She's a god. Let's think outside the box. 
Why don't you go think outside the bleeding box? Yes, Anya, apart from your incredibly uninfectious enthusiasm, have you got anything else to contribute? The Dagon Sphere. Sorry? When Buffy first met Glory, she found that magical, uh, glowy sphere that was meant to repel Glory. We've got it in the basement. It might drive her away or hurt her. Oh, and Olaf, the troll god's enchanted hammer. You want to fight a god, use the weapon of a god. Uh, nah, that thing's too heavy to... Yeah, good. I like this. Thanks. Here to help. Want to live. Smart chicks are so hot. You couldn't have figured that out in 10th grade? Applause. A plus all around, gang. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry I missed my overlapping line with you, (laughs) That's right. That's right. (laughs) Last Um, time I got to be Dracula from the Buffy vs. Dracula episode, which I feel like is the peak of my acting career. Oh, it was so good. (laughs) You did a good Dracula here. Two time Oscar winner. (laughs) (laughs) Because that Tara giggle was great. It was. It really was. That was a best supporting actress moment. <laughs> Thank you. I worked really hard on that. <laughs> um, I really think Anya, it's important that Anya is the one that raises the morale, right? Like Anya's, yes. Anya's almost like, no, we don't have time to be mopey and depressed. We are going to die if we sit around and mope. Um, yeah. And like, it's well, almost like the humanness is what's making them all do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's funny. I also wrote that this is actually, I know everyone will talk about like the body speech, but this is my favorite Anya moment of all time. And it got Mm -hmm. me thinking about on like, she says it later, I think to Xander, but like, she was introduced in season three, and she left for that apocalypse. And then in season four, it was just the four of them who went into the initiative, and she didn't play a role. And then in season five, she's like actually around for the decision making. And you see like how like she plays such a pivotal role in what happens. And it's like, so interesting that this is the first time. And honestly, not the only time, but kind of the only time that she's fully on board with the Scoobies when an apocalypse is happening. Because in six, she, you know, is still mad at Xander and she helps mm-hmm. Willow, but she says explicitly to them, I'm not really trying to help you. I'm here try- like trying to stop Willow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in seven, I mean, that's just a clusterfuck by the time it gets to the end. Like she helps <laughs> because it's the end of the world and she has yeah. to. But she's not like pivotal in the planning at all it's really like a buffy plan that just goes forward so it's really this is the only time where anya gets to play like a huge role in how they defeat the big bad yeah and and maybe i'm a a terrible person which i am a terrible person but like when they were like can't we just kill ben and they're like no we can't do them like yes you can yes are you kidding me he's been aiding and abetting like i don't think that crosses a line guys i think you can kill him i'm glad you i'm glad you said it kirsten because i had that in my notes that was my next thing i was gonna say was yeah. Why is everyone too good and, like, mad that Xander says they could kill Ben? Well, yeah, and they're full-on talking about we might have to sacrifice Dawn to prevent the end of the world. No, sacrifice Ben to prevent the end yeah. of the world. Like, why are they okay with discussing the possibility that they might need to kill Dawn? But then when Xander's like, we could kill Ben, everybody's like, no, that's 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 Like, how dare we? No. <laughs> yeah, what's, like, right, it's like if Dawn is, Dawn is the key and, like, made of mystical Buffy or whatever, then, like, <laughs> what is, what is Ben? Like, is Ben, mm-hmm. what, what is he made out of that makes him exactly. so like we can't kill this guy? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, if I were Don, I would have put on like a full on Catwoman suit and just gone and killed Ben <laughs> while he was sleeping or something. Because I'd be like, listen, it's you or me, and I'm just gonna kill you. I'm, I'm me. <laughs> yeah, and I, I get why they did that because then that makes the moment at the end with Giles right. so much more powerful. But 
yeah, I was like, mm, guys, I'm not buying it. You should kill Ben. Yeah, right? Like, I yeah. I mean, <laughs> Trixie Mattel said that in the episode she was on two episodes before this, where she was like, you know, I know every life is precious, but, like, one of them should have killed themselves, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, like, Ben... Because, so, like, I feel like Ben doesn't have enough characterization as... No. So, like, we can't quite tell... I mean, it seems like it's just... Later on, when Glory says to Dawn, like, he's just trying to live, and it's like, okay, well, so is Dawn, but he's the one that's, yeah. like, okay with just living for an evil, like, purpose. Like, well, I also... Well, I've always... Uh, correct me, I don't know if they really explain the lore, but I always felt like Ben was just, like, a human who, like, Glory had to latch onto to exist in this... And I'm not saying this excuses it. They should still fucking kill him. But, like, <laughs> he, is, he was just, like, living his normal life, right? And, like, one day, Glory kind of inhabited his body. Well, in yeah, I, I think was this he was a baby. Like, she yes. got banished to this realm at the moment he was born. And so, yeah. like, she became part of him. So, like, Matthew, right? I feel like we spent so much of this season being, like, we don't really know how Glory, like, how long they've been. But in Way to the World, she mm-hmm. explicitly says that she's been connected to Ben for 25 years, but has only been able to come out. Because they don't, they don't say why, but she says she's only had this short period where she's been able to emerge. Mm-hmm. Right. Which you get is, like, I guess you assume is in relation to, like, the key and the, like, whatever short time period they have to open up the portal. But Ben is still, like, aware that it's, like, he still knows that, like, yeah. Glory's part. Like, he still knows that, so. Mm-hmm. Also, was he, like, in fifth grade, like, straight up transforming into Glory during math class? <laughs> 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 I hope so. Me too. (laughs) Oh, and the one thing I did want to point out that I don't love is that suddenly Olaf is a troll god instead of like... Yeah. Yeah. I always thought that too, that they like backdoor kind of like added that in at the end. I mean, Uh I I get it because right, plot wise, they just need, like they want to up the powerfulness of that hammer, but like, yeah, we didn't, I didn't need it. I would have been fine with them just saying, oh, Olaf's hammer is like mad strong and heavy. Use that. Yeah, because right. Anya, I don't know, I don't think Anya as, like, a bar maiden had the power to turn someone into a god. She just turned yeah. them into a troll. Yeah. <laughs> and it was supposed to be, like, her first spell. I think this is, like, for me, the, like, last few episodes are the most sympathetic Dawn is this season. Like, I feel genuinely yeah. really bad for Dawn. And, you know, like, the scene of her casually, like, putting her shoes together very, like, neatly. Oh, my gosh. That right. that. Yeah, that really got me. Yeah, like folding her clothes and putting her necklace on top and tucking the shoes under the yeah. chair. Like, that was good. Yeah, it's yeah, like, and they're, direction. it's like such like little detail, but it's still like weirdly heartbreaking because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, she's like 14, maybe 15. Um, and like, <laughs> doesn't know what to do. And just like, oh, here, let me put as if like anything matters at this point. Mm-hmm. I feel like Dawn gets what Ben is, too, because when he's trying yeah. to talk to her and be all sympathetic, she's like, no, you're a fake. Just give me glory because you're both a monster. But at least she doesn't pretend not to be. That's true. Yeah. And yeah. that's I think that's a really good line and a really good like mm-hmm. it's really good to know the. it's important to like point out the difference between Ben. Like glory never Glory never pretends to be good. She's never thinking, no. like, she just wants to go home and she doesn't give a shit about yeah. literally anyone else. Mm-hmm. So I've only seen the series once through, right? So my memory of Dawn was not as awful as everyone else's. Like, I, you know, <laughs> I know that Dawn is like, such a hated character. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and and I, like, I was very sympathetic to her in parts of this, but I do have to say that if that child screamed one more time, I might have snapped <laughs> my television in half. And I was like, okay, I'm 
maybe yes. I'll get it this time. Like maybe yes. my journey through season five will uh, actually turn me to against Dawn because I can't with her screaming. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I've always been a Dawn apologist. Like I was a monster, monster hormonal closeted teen. I'm sure if I found out I also wasn't real, that like... <laughs> I would probably be more of a monster. <laughs> well, I feel like, I mean, it's it's easy to sympathize with her toward the end. Like, especially, I mean, especially in yeah. these last few episodes, especially with, like, the being kidnapped and everything. Like, she, I think, I mean, like, she loses her mom. She finds out she's not real. Like, I think the things that she goes through are legitimate. It's mm-hmm. it's when there are like, I think it's more that people get annoyed with what Dawn became because the moment that Dawn wasn't the center of the story in season six, mostly that's when she kind mm. of became. So I feel like when people are shitting on Dawn, they're actually shitting on like season six Dawn mm-hmm. and not season five Dawn. That makes sense. That yeah. makes sense. I feel like Dawn was such a brilliant idea she was such a brilliant concept but the execution fails for me a lot and it's because for me personally she doesn't have any character progression like especially in season six she does she has the same cycle over and over and over again like her her you're not paying any attention to me cycle that she and then she learns her lesson and then she has it again as soon as they need it and and she kind of has the same problem that oz did in that they have this character but then once it gets far enough along, they don't know what to do with her because she doesn't really Xander's the normal one. Yeah. Willow's the one with magic, so on and so forth. Everybody has a role. So she just has to be obnoxious little sister. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I have two obnoxious little sisters, so I get it. And I'm also an obnoxious little sister. <laughs> Lots of sisters. Um, but I feel like once they got past season five, again, they just kind of were spinning, spinning their wheels with her. They didn't know what to do with her. That's that's totally fair. Um, I can't remember who said this in a previous season five episode, how it should have just ended with Dawn dying and it could have been that she was a one season character. Mm -hmm. Um, And I almost think that would have like worked. What do you guys think? Yeah, if Buffy jumped with her. Yes. Yeah. So that she didn't go alone. No, I think Buffy should have pushed her. I was literally, literally, Matthew, just about to say, or she could have just pushed her off the damn thing. Because Crystal, when they're up on that thing, like five separate people fall off of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everyone who walks up there takes a flying leap. They really it. do. On. Um, and the way they like have to make the bodies like spin in the air before they <laughs> fall. But no, um... I mean, I mean this... they could have like Dawn could have could have been the hero, jumped into the thing, and then they could have done some really amazing CG effect where like the essence of Dawn went into Buffy so that she didn't have to be oh, sad. You yeah. know what I mean? That would have been really cool. So then you know we get this like Dawn Glory scene, um, mm-hmm. and actually I I really weirdly get Glory saying what's the hubbub bub like stuck. That's like a line I get stuck in my head often. I mm-hmm. forgot it was. I thought it was like earlier in the season, but I. I, and I noticed this for the last few episodes too, right? Gloria actually doesn't have a lot to do until these last no. four episodes. No. That was my issue with her as a big bad. Um, like the mayor, it was stages. He had tasks that he had to accomplish. And like, yeah. he always has his little schemes going on in the background. So I felt like he was a consistently interesting big bad. Whereas Glory just kind of like pops in and then she's gone for several episodes and they almost like forget about her. Hmm. Um... Or she really more that she's have looming to do until this point. Yeah. 
Well, you know, Kirsten, it's more to me like, and and I agree with you, but it's like it's it's not that because with the mayor they had to keep not pivoting, but every time he presented an obstacle when he had the box of gaff rock, when he did this, like mm-hmm. they had to keep up with his plans. Uh-huh. And honestly, all of Glory's plans rely on this one day, right? Yeah. So she can't. Yeah. She can't make that many moves. I mean, really, the first thing she's trying to do is get the key. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, if she got the key right away, it would have been a like, well, we have to just save Dawn and keep saving her as much as Glory catches her. Because it's just, we just, she just needs the key at this one moment in time. Mm-hmm. So you're right. I think that there was opportunity to, like, do more stages and more, I don't know, rituals that she needed in order to get ready. That would have been fun to watch. Like... Because mm-hmm. she's such a fun character. Like, yeah. She's fun on screen. Well, right now, to me, one of the reasons that she's so beloved for me is that when I watch her, it kind of reminds me of like how instead of whenever you watch a Ryan Murphy show, instead of plot, he just has women being mean to each other. <laughs> and like there's just this like funness about watching Glory and Buffy spar because he, they just she, like they're just written like Ryan Murphy women. One of my questions actually for you all who are more familiar with this season than I am is I personally picked up on a lot of sexual tension between Buffy and Glory and I wanted mm-hmm. to know if that's been like an ongoing thing this season or if it's just like really coming to a head now. I feel like Glory has sexual tension with anything that moves. Yes. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> so. Yeah, I feel like we're it's like she I think one thing about most whenever I watch culture stuff like for me, immortal beings and beings that aren't human always feel more pansexual than everyone else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, they just don't that. adhere to stupid rules about, like, gender or sexuality. Wait, so Claire Kramer said that, Matthew, in when she was on for Tough Love. She said, because I asked her, I was like, it seems like when Glory, anyone that Glory's about to mind suck or any, like, prey, Glory's like a cat where she plays with it. But her, like, mm-hmm. playing with her prey is always flirting. Like, before she brain sucks Tara, she holds her hand. I mean, she breaks her mm-hmm. hand, but she also just holds her hand and says, like, this is nice. With, like, the craziest look on her face. And it's like, Tara's terrified. And Glory's like, this is a good time. Um, and it's almost like she's flirting. And she even says, like, just us girls, you like that thing, right? And I said to Claire, I was like, it almost seems like she's flirting. And she was like, oh, yeah, I think Glory flirts with everyone. I don't think Glory cares about sexuality. She's just flirting to have a good time. And, like, that's all she cares about. And I kind of think that's true, right? Confirmed by the source. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) So then we we get that scene and we go back to the magic box of uh, Anya and Xander having their inappropriately timed sex. (laughs) Which I love and feels very them. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Also, but we we skipped over, right, the scene with Giles and Buffy, which I feel like is so gut, like, just gutting. Yes, where... oh my goodness, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah, he's just like, you know, I'm, like, I'm saying and doing what other people can't, uh, and she basically, Buffy's like, if you go near her, I mean, she didn't say I'll kill you, but it's, like, essentially implied. Yeah, right. Um, and it's just, I don't know. I just, this, this scene, and maybe it's because like, I'm in a very particular Giles Buffy headspace, but Mm -hmm. to see, to see them here still, right. Of like, watch your dad and like grown up daughter. Um, and like looking at the, like, I think this is the scene too, where she's just like, how many apocalypses has it been now? And Mm -hmm. it's not even a joke. Like, it's like, that was a joke last season. And now it's like, yeah, they're just like tired and um and they love each other so much. But Dean just like really got me, really yeah. got me. That close up that they do of Buffy's face, and I'm gonna read the lines because they're so good. 
she says, I sacrificed Angel to save the world. And then the camera's just on her face. And her face is, she has such a good face anyway. But like just the restrained emotions just kills me. She says, I loved him so much, but I knew what was right. I don't have that anymore. I don't understand. I just don't know how to live in this world if these are the choices. If everything just gets stripped away, I don't see the point. I just wish that. I just wish my mom was here. And I'm like, oh, oh my God. Yeah. God, it's too much. It's too much. I know. I know. But she, I mean, oh. she, she kills that delivery. She's yeah. so good. Because um, she's so restrained. But you feel it. You feel everything this girl has been through. Everything this girl has done. Everything this girl has sacrificed. And now she's here. And she's being asked to sacrifice everything again. And she's just done. Yeah. God, you know a scene is good when someone else describing it can still make you cry. I know, One right? <laughs> like oh they're all gosh. over again. <laughs> yes, yes. Ugh. Yeah, I and yeah, Kirsten, you're right. It's like she is also selling it. It's not even just, mm-hmm. and it's like an extreme close up of like I think it's like her shoulders to like the top of her head is like that whole. Yeah. And just you know, her face. She's screen, like yeah. tearing up, and like because I I was screenshotting that scene to like tweet the screen caps, and I was like no, I don't want to watch this again. And it was like, I had to watch it five times to screen cap. And I was like, I don't like this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. This is like, this is like the series too. I feel like, you know, Buffy, like we see her in so many phases and this is such a particular moment for her that like, that that aligns, I think with all of our lives, like we go through hard shit as we grow up. And then like, then we go through more, more hard shit. And then there's (laughs) some more hard shit after that. And it's like, standing up and dusting yourself off and saying like, I'm going to keep fighting is something that gets harder. And and that's why the scene is just, Oh God, forget it. I'm done. (laughs) I agree. Um, yeah, I put in my notes, like I appreciate this scene, right? Because they still love each other and they are still Mm -hmm. being loving. But like you said, Kristen, she's like basically threatening to kill him, but they, Mm -hmm. they still understand that they love each other, even though she's saying, I might kill you if you come near Dawn. Yeah. yeah, and his his response is, yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> right. But, but also in some way, I feel like this scene is about going with that theme of, like, Buffy's kind of nihilism. Like, I think that mm-hmm. they have a love for each other, and Giles doesn't know. It's kind of like Giles' frustration with loving someone who doesn't think the world is, like, worth it anymore, too. Mm-hmm. Like, he's raised, he's been her watcher, you know, he's raised her, quote-unquote, as a slayer for five years. And no slayers are supposed to live as long as Buffy did. So here's what happened. Like, this is literally what happens. And I think we'll bring this, well, I'll come back to this point when we talk about death is your gift later. But like, um, yeah, like this is what happens when you, when a slayer is on the job for five years, she just fucking Mm -hmm. hates the world. Like (laughs) they're not supposed to last this long for a reason. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. When we were talking about Dawn and glory before I have a note here that says the place they are keeping Dawn looks like the inside of a Berlin industrial sex club. And I just wanted to <laughs> raise that point. Magic. I mean, it is what Glory chose, so like it might be. Fair. You know? Yeah. yeah that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> um, also, I wanted to point out um, I love Glory's like, like speech. Like, I love the way, because to go back to what you said, Matthew, Ryan Murphy wishes. Like, I think he yeah. has. Like, sure, he does. It's like almost like watching drag queens, but with Glory, I think it's one Claire Kramer's acting and the writing's a little bit more sharp on her than that. Mm-hmm. Because, like, she, you know, when she's like, What's the hubbub? She has these little, like, things, like, the, the like, cadence to how she s- speaks 
the like little cutesy nicknames. Like she calls Dawn Sweetie Baby. The only other person I've known who does that was this like older waitress at like a 24 hour diner I used to go to in New Jersey and she would call everyone Sweetie Baby. <laughs> so I always yeah. think of like that, like that, like that woman was like a very particular character and she like, she, you know, when me and my ex would go in, she'd be like, oh, my gays. Like, it was like this, like, 60-year-old lady that was just so happy to have gay men in her restaurant <laughs> at, like, 3 a.m. <laughs> After the Giles-Buffy scene, which is fantastic, then we go back to Dawn and Glory again. Oh, and... that's the Berlin Industrial Sex Club. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I have a major question, which is how in the fuck did Glory get the permits to build this thing in Sunnydale? <laughs> I would like to know. It is pretty obvious. <laughs> I feel like here's the thing is like i feel like it was already there because they're like the construction workers there but oh, like yeah. what but like what what are they building in sunnydale that's that tall like yeah nothing in sunnydale is above three stories right yeah, sunnydale's first skyscraper like is it... <laughs> i mean in general being from new york now because i'm in california like there is nothing tall in california at all no. so <laughs> right. no. oh so wait so i wanted to say that um Real quick, that the next Glory Dawn scene, which is just them, like we see Dawn in her dress, and mm-hmm. Glory yells, "Okay, campers, it's almost stab time!" In reference to like, <clears throat> like cutting Dawn. This is the first time I ever heard that line correctly. I think I always like in my head she always said, "It's almost that time," but she specifically yeah. says "stab," which like <laughs> makes it like funnier that she's like being, you know, whatever. But yes, back to Xander and Anya's scene before we get to xander and anya i just want to say that i talk a lot and buffering about horror screams and i would like to give dawn a rating of f for her horror scream i think she does (laughs) not have a good horror scream at all thank you so much for listening please let's go to xander and anya (laughs) you can listen to kristen's ted talk (laughs) i want to hear your opinion on buffy's scream at the end of hush because i'll be honest it's always bugged me such a great episode but then that scream is not great yeah, no, it's not. And it's not even Buffy. Like, that's no. not even Sarah Michelle Gellar's scream. And it isn't a good <laughs> scream. And the reason it's not a good scream is because they want, whosever decision it was to make that scream um, have to last so long to, like, mm-hmm. get in all of the scenes that it covers is why that scream is horrible. Because a good uh... horror scream is, like, it lasts a little bit. But it can't, yeah. you can't, you know, you can't scream that deeply for that long so they True. they really got i want to hear one of my goals of of doing buffering the vampire slayer is to he is to find the tape of sarah michelle geller's actual scream <laughs> from hush i want to hear it so badly um where were we i forget xander and anya fucking right. in the basement yes. right 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 <laughs> and i just wanted to make a note that um they are not allowed to say came on television which is oh. why xander has to ask okay. On oh. Anya, why if she arrived? Oh, that's arrived. Interesting. <laughs> arrived. Oh God! You cannot so... say came. That's wow. That's funny. That's very odd. That's good to know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I I love this whole scene, right? But I have trouble watching it without the knowledge of what we know moving forward. Yeah. Like, this scene, oh. I, I remember loving it, but, like, moving forward, it's like, oh, but he leaves her at the fucking altar. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, see, I have, like, such little memory of, like, any of the major points past where I am in the series that I just got to enjoy this so purely. I was like, this <laughs> yes. is such a sweet proposal. Yes. Well, you're welcome. I just yeah. ruined it for you. <laughs> yeah, yes. I mean, I knew somewhere in the recesses of my mind, but, yeah, yeah watching this, this scene, I just thought it was good. This episode what? definitely takes on a different light 
when you have the full weight of season six. Yeah. Because it's it's so rewarding and it's so many character moments that you've built to for five seasons that like, yeah, when you experience just this one, it's amazing. But then when you know what's coming in season six, it just hurts. Yeah. Well, you know what? And that's why, Kirsten, one of the things that because watching this, knowing how depressed Buffy is Mm -hmm. and how much she hates the world and how much she doesn't really tell her friends about it, like she tells Giles, you know, Mm-hmm. To know that they bring her back and that the whole thing of season six is going to be that Buffy really like hated being here and her friends mm-hmm. kind of selfishly forced her to live a second time. That is what's so kind of depressing watching it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like Buffy was so unhappy and what they did was bring her to like her most unhappy place again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it gives me the chills. I hate it. Mm-hmm. Also, why are they still okay with the sex spot? Why is it in the basement? Why are they talking about it like it's not creepy? Why are they just like completely okay with like talking about Spike's sex spot casually? Yeah, yeah agree, agree, agree like, on all points. Just, people always talk about like things that don't age well, and so many things about Buffy do age well, but a sex spot that you <laughs> no. make because someone won't have sex with you does not age well. That's and some sure, incel shit. It sure doesn't. I do like Xander's like progressive moment yeah. where he's like, um, just because Willow is gay yeah. doesn't mean she likes every single girl, including girl robots. <laughs> like, thank you, Xander. Like, great job, man. Right. I, I, yes. It's un-Xander-like, but I love it. Um, yeah. But then I love you have the cute exchange between them when Anya says pervert and Xander says other pervert. Yeah. They're so cute. I know. Yeah. Kirsten, I know we've, I think we've talked about this almost every time you've been on the podcast, but it makes me so mad that they get, they, he leaves her at the altar. I know. I know. It was, yeah. I have, I have a lot of issues with season six. (laughs) Um, we'll talk about those another time. We'll we'll talk about them eventually. Um, yeah. Oh, and the bunny joke. I love the bunny joke. Yeah. So I'm going to plug um, Slayer Fest has pins, and I just got my bunny Anya pins, and they are delightful, and they make me so happy. And that, that is one of my all-time favorite running gags of the show is Anya's terror of bunnies. Oh, my God. Yeah, so it's really good. Thanks Much better the- horror scream than Dawn. Uh- oh, such a good horror scream. Yeah. Thanks for the plug, Kirsten. <laughs> Yes, you're welcome. <laughs> also, like, Emma Caulfield is so good. Like, her delivery so of good. the, like, anxious way she spews all the words together. Like, this is an omen. It's a higher power telling me through bunnies that we're all going to die. Oh, God. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Like, as you can see, okay. I can quote almost all of her lines by heart in this episode because I love Anya <laughs> so much. Uh, so, yeah, I love that he proposes to her and she slaps him and says, you're proposing to me because we're all going to die. It's interesting because Xander is not a very confident person and he usually and he seems very confident that they're going to survive this, you know, because he says that I'm not proposing to you because the world is ending. I'm proposing to you because it's going to keep going. And, you know, the whole scene, we kind of talked about how that moment with the sex bot was atypical for Xander. I kind of feel like he is being written atypically in this moment. Like there's something in this in this uh, episode, like he throws down he he he, he poo the idea of killing ben that he raises which i feel like you typically would be like well that's the way out let's do that and then he makes the the sex bot comment and then he proposes and i don't know i don't know if it's like apocalypses brings out the niceness in xander but he's mm-hmm. definitely actually like making a lot of cool choices that i like 
But I also see, I think that I would be mad if someone uh, proposed to me right before an apocalypse. So I also see Anya's point. I wouldn't find it romantic. Hmm. Right. But but I felt like, and he didn't say this, but I just felt like, because his whole thing was like, I'm going to survive, like we're going to survive and that's why I'm doing this. But I felt like even if you thought you weren't going to survive, like when you want the person to know that you had wanted to get married, you know what I mean? Like yeah. that. That like this was where you were at before the world was over. Um, yeah, you don't want you don't want everybody to die and have them not know. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. But so they, I thought it was also, romantic either way. They mm-hmm. also do keep it quiet though, because remember throughout yeah. season six, the whole thing is that no one knows they're engaged, which is right. weird. That always that bothered me yeah. even watching it. I remember that bothering me. Yeah, like because the funny thing is after right after they're in the basement because they're looking for the Dagon Sphere and then they come upstairs and they have the Dagon Sphere and they call Buffy over and I was watching it and I was like, oh, are they are they telling Giles right now? They just got engaged. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. They actually keep that a secret unnecessarily for months. (laughs) (laughs) When like because I think it's in when Buffy comes back, Anya says, why don't we tell everyone? It'll, like, raise, it'll, like, make the mood better or something like that. And Well, like, Anya right. says it, like, right after she comes back, like, while they're <laughs> still dealing with, like, the demon hell biker gang. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. Um, but so, they find the Buffy bot, they come up with an idea, but we don't, you know, we go back to that. We'll go back to that later. Um, and then we get, uh, what is it? The next scene is Buffy and Willow, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I, I think it's a really sweet moment. Um, I really like that Willow says, she's like, I'm sorry, I've been concentrating on reversing what happened to Tara. I know I shouldn't be my first priority. And Buffy touches her leg and is like, no, I understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that too. They have, yeah. they have such good best friend chemistry. I mean... Um, yeah, they really advanced because let me tell you what, in the middle of season four, they're still really str- Buffy is still really struggling to be a supportive friend to Willow. So yes. I was very mm-hmm. excited to see that like <laughs> she's she's taken some strides in the right direction here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and like it's weird that Allison Hannigan and Amber Benson are still doing a lot of good work chemistry wise when it's like Amber Benson's playing uh, you know, mind sucked Tara. Mm-hmm. And Willow's giving all the like actual lines. Um, yeah, I've like read a lot about the Willow Tara relationship too, and how you know it, it wasn't necessarily just that that they were you know a queer couple on television, but that their relationship was treated like um, a heterosexual relationship <laughs> mm-hmm. um, is often treated on TV. That like it wasn't just that they had like gotten together. It wasn't just like about sex or like about the big kiss. That they have these really really intimate the intimate loving moments and you know i'm i'm way back where they're still just like taking petals off of roses and moving (laughs) vending machines and stuff (laughs) um so i was just really really delighted and and excited to get into this season because when she even when she says like don't worry love and like puts her hand on her leg you know it's just like it's just very very sweet and loving and intimate in a way that especially in 2001 we weren't seeing on television yeah yeah. oh and the whole way that willow takes care of tara in these last few episodes like feeding her and like it's just it is it's very tender and it's very um but i do i gotta backtrack just a little bit okay on Willow, and this is the biggest frustration Uh-oh. writing in the Buffy verse because here's what she says about how she's going to do the thing she's going to do. Well, I've been charting their essences, mapping out. If I can get close enough, I might be able to reverse what Glory did. Like, what does that even mean? <laughs> their magic system is the most garbage, <laughs> nonsensical, 
<laughs> like, and it is so hard trying because, you know, like, as a writer, you're trained, like, your world building has to be consistent. If you have a magic, magic system, it has to be closed. There have to be rules. There have to be consequences. <laughs> and, like, the same thing with the demonology. And so it's really hard writing off of a show where they're like, what do we need this episode? Okay, she's going <laughs> to chart their essences. <laughs> oh, that sounds good. Um, <laughs> I mean, I feel like it's like kind of the same thing as Star Trek, right? Where they're like, uh, charge yeah. the dilithium crystals and we're going to be good to yeah. go. Like, exactly. It's like you just said nonsense. Yes. And like, and they can get away with it and it's fine. But yeah, that, that line, I was like, ugh. <laughs> so talking about simultaneously appreciating and criticizing things. Uh-oh. No, I think that the line slap followed by bitch i'm supposed to work on the factors is iconic but <laughs> also like it's too much like we do not need tara slapping willow and like yeah. assaulting her like i always feel like that's such a like cheap writing moment and we it would know... have been just as gutting right if she had just yeah. looked at her and not recognized like it it, it could have yeah. been right? so much better. oh my god i'm so happy you said that Kristen. because when i said to myself like how would i have written this i would have had tara look at willow's face and be like who are you yeah that would have yeah. been like Ian would have cried. Yes, mm-hmm. he would have. Yes, Chris, Kristen also would have cried. <laughs> yeah. Like just her, like literally look at her and be like, "I don't even recognize you." Would have been gutting and said, "Slap and bitch, I'm supposed to work on the factors." That's so <laughs> not it. That ain't it. Forgot, but also, maybe you should have a T-shirt that just says, "Bitch, I'm supposed to work on the factors." <laughs> okay, not even lying. After I watch that, I feel like that should be Slayer Fest's next pin. It's just like a pin that says, "Bitch, I'm supposed so... to work on the factors." God, <laughs> yeah. please sign me up for one (laughs) (laughs) i just i i mean i i agree with all of you i hadn't thought of it but i agree with all of you and yes you're right i would have cried (laughs) so then we go to buffy and spike um Uh going into what i wrote down is joyce's house because guys i haven't watched through season five yet (laughs) so i'm just pretending like none of it happened (laughs) you're like oh joyce was on vacation good for her she just went away that she's at the whatever (laughs) joyce has won an all-inclusive trip to the bahamas (laughs) she is lounging Uh, oh i do love though how they set up xander's moment in the previous scene where they're doing their sort of like we're going to talk about the plan but not actually talk about the plan because we want you to be surprised yeah but where Spike's like, you're a glorified bricklayer. And Sanders like, I'm also a swell bowler. Yeah. Like, and then that comes back around in a big way, which I love. Like, yes. kudos mm-hmm. to them. That was clever. I, I do think um, they, do a, they do a lot of good work with that. This I think this is the season they mm-hmm. do the best work with that. Where, like, you know, we're leading up to Anya learning about being human. She says in, into the woods, you know, oh, you make fun of me. You say I'm newly human and strangely literal. Um and, like, she's learning to be human, and that's why she's the one that's like, no, we're going to keep going. We're going to think of ideas yeah. to stop glory so we don't die. And, like, Xander, you know, in The Replacement, it's like, oh, the two Xanders, he doesn't know, and he learns that he he can be confident, and he is confident. Mm-hmm. And I think this season has the best payoffs with all of that. It for sure does, yeah. Uh, so I have conflicting, conflicting feelings. Um, mm-hmm. So we get Spike and Buffy in the house. I think, taking notes for this, I was like, you know what? I think this is the moment that I completely fell in love with Spike. Like, oh my I, god, me too, yes. Thank you, Kristen. I, I'm like a problematic Spike sympathizer. I do think he's yeah. completely unbalanced in writing-wise. And I wish he would have kidnapped Buffy and Drusilla maybe in like the third episode of this season and not so close to the end. Uh, mm-hmm. Because he goes back and forth so much. But this scene, I think, is so good. It is. Uh, you know, yeah. her her inviting him in back into the house... 
Um, and her just like, you know, I, and I, I've said this a bunch of times this season, there's definitely a direct line between Joyce, like before she goes in for surgery, telling Buffy, she realized Dawn wasn't hers, but she needs Buffy to protect Dawn. Right. And I think Mm -hmm. then Joyce dies and Buffy feels like I have to, you know, the last big conversation my mother and I had was her telling me I needed to protect my sister. So I'm going to like, you know, sacrifice myself to protect my sister. And in this scene, Buffy says to Spike, I'm counting on you to protect her. And I think that's kind of like what gets Spike. I mean, we don't see the summer that they had together, but like, that's why he stays around. And that's why he, you know, feels so connected to Dawn. And they had already had like a very cute relationship before this. Yeah. But I think this is exactly when he's like, nope, I need to protect Dawn forever. Like, yeah, that's it. Uh, and when he tells her, you know, I know you never love me, but you treat me like a man and, or you don't, you make me feel, you don't treat me like a monster. I just, ugh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's really, I, I came out of my first watch of, of the show with a clear spike as my favorite. And this rewatch with the podcast, I've been like, okay, you know, it's like a, it's like a tough time to have spike as your favorite. Right, yes. And like, <laughs> and I love Anya so much. And so like, but, but this scene made me remember sort of like how I fell for spike and why I fell for spike. Cause this is, this is it for me. Like yeah. the, the bad boy who's like got a soft heart and who just yeah. like, I mean, the way he loves her in this scene is mm-hmm. heartbreaking. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm here with you on Team Spike forever. <laughs> well, and I and I always love when they have the character who loves who loves the woman because she's strong, as opposed to Riley who was threatened by it. Like Spike loves Buffy mm-hmm. because she's strong. He yeah. likes that about her. He admires that about her. It's like it's like the it's like the Parks and Rec thing where I will love any character who loves and appreciates Leslie Nope. Like. <laughs> If they love and appreciate Leslie Nope, I'm theirs forever. And it's the same yeah. thing. Like, I feel like any male character who looks at Buffy and looks at her strength and isn't threatened by it, but like admires it and just wants to help her and be by her side and doesn't need her to come down. Yeah. Um, like I'm there for that. Like I, <laughs> yeah. I always say I ship Buffy and long term financial stability. <laughs> but I do like Spike more than Angel. So <laughs> Kirsten, last time you said something like that, someone was mad at you on Twitter in our oh, mentions. Listen, those angel, those angel fans, they'll get real mad. They get they, real mad at they you. They go hard. They do. It's okay. It's okay. I, I piss off a lot of people. It's fine. It's fine. And I, I wanted to point out, I didn't think of this until this watch either, that it's very weird that Buffy gets big moments alone with each one of the, mm-hmm. like, big, like, she doesn't need a moment alone with Anya, right? Because... Yeah. But, like, she doesn't get one with Xander, and that's kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that is weird. Like, right? Because, like, she gets one with Willow, she gets one with Giles, she gets one with Spike, but, like, not Xander. And she gets one with Dawn at the top of the, you know, tower. But, yeah, she never Mm -hmm. gets, like, a... I mean, and we've talked about how very clearly, starting with, like, season three on, very clearly Willow and Buffy are the best friends, and Xander is, like, their other best friend, but they're the Mm -hmm. main best friends, right? Yeah. Well, I also think like you have to make your choices as to who's going to spend time with who because you yeah. need to get mm-hmm. to the payoff and like and they have forty five minutes it, on a on a from a writer's perspective, it's like probably more important to just get Xander and Anya to talk yeah. than for Xander and Buffy to talk. Yeah, as a writer, you have to pick which moments you're going to have, and it was the right call to have Xander and Anya. Yeah, 
Um, and there is an awful lot of, and now we're going to have this conversation and now we're going to have this conversation and well, we can't go yet. Cause we have to wait for the right time. Like there's a lot of, and I appreciate it, especially looking at it as them viewing this as a potential series closer, yeah. but like from, yeah, from a narrative standpoint, they really did need to get moving. <laughs> <laughs> because really, I mean, when you get down and we're going to get down to it, like there's one fight in this. Yeah season i mean it's not a two-parter the way that we were used to with like becoming mm-hmm. graduation day um it really is just an hour ending and they have you know buffy and glory only fight once and it's not a very they've had better fights i know? mean yeah. the, the the listen i can't with them <laughs> and the freaking tower with the like <laughs> up and down shit it's i really delighted in how ridiculous it was like i wrote that i do like the choreography of it but yes. overall it wasn't a like knockdown drag out fight the way that they've had in the in, in the past like they fought on the scaffolding for like two minutes or not even i mean it's a 45 minute show they fought on the scaffolding for like 30 <laughs> seconds yeah and then you know it transitioned to just buffy having the upper hand and smashing her face in Right. Yeah. And I mean, like, I think I'm I'm imagining because the choreography on the tower was really cool. And I'm imagining like, that that's the reason they did that. But it just seemed so silly to me yes. in its execution, like what we actually saw with like yeah. one knocking one down and one climbing up a bank, and then both of them falling off the tower, you know. <laughs> it had to be so hard five seasons in coming up with innovative fight yeah. scenes though. Like fight scenes are my least favorite to write because there are only so many ways you can describe hands doing different things <laughs> the same goes for kissing scenes like where are their hands now cool yeah um my favorite yeah. buffy fighting scenes are like from seasons three where they would just like go to some warehouse and buffy would fight like 16 vampires <laughs> everything <laughs> so fights were fucking rad yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah no this one is a little underwhelming for like a big bad final face-off honestly yeah yes. so i will oh. say that Okay, we got to backtrack just a little bit when they're all setting out to follow Tara um, has one of my favorite lines mm-hmm. of the episode and it goes Ooh. to Giles and Spikes. Yes. And Buffy's speech is everybody knows their jobs. Remember the ritual starts. We all die and I'll kill anyone who comes near Dawn, which put a pin in that because Spike is the only person she trusts to go near Dawn. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Spike says, well, not exactly the St. Crispin's Day speech, was it? And Giles says, we few... We happy few, and Spike says, we band of buggered. It's so perfect. I, Kirsten, I, I was literally just going to be like, can we go back to that scene real quick? Because, yes, <laughs> I I love I love that they both know it. I mean, it yeah. makes sense for their characters that they would. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I, would... I want you all smart people to know that I thought, Kirsten, that you were going to be like, one of my favorite uh, dialogue parts, it was Spadoinkle. And I was going <laughs> to yeah. be like, really here for no. it? <laughs> I get so much like space behind it and in front of it too. It's like really oh my there. Gosh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, so we get our spadoinkle moment again. What? And I do love <laughs> Willow saying she needs courage and Spike handing her the flask, and she's <laughs> yes. like, yeah. "No, the real kind." But thanks. Like I, I really, I think that's a really good moment. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I put in all caps. I'm so proud of Ta- of Willow when she like goes up to Glory and's like she's with me and does that. Yes, uh, it's so yes. good. I, I also have all caps, and it just says, "Holy shit, Willow!" Because 
Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I don't exactly remember the complete arc of Willow in this season, but uh, I, I know where she's going. And so I was yeah. just like, oh, yeah, there's some fucking lightning in your hands. That's what I'm <laughs> <Yeah>. talking about. <laughs> also, I had to laugh when Glory says, what the freaking hell did she do to me? I'm like, are you Mormon? Like, <laughs> freaking just, it always sounds dumb. Yeah. It always sounds dumb. Um, <laughs> they do, and like, they do try to like, play with that right because there's two different times this season where glory goes to curse like and her first episode when the building's falling around her it's she's clearly mouthing oh shit as everything's falling mm-hmm. when willow and tara do the spell and they clap and then she teleports up high in the sky with all the glitter and she's like and then she's about to say like fuck she's like oh fuck. she says fall. motherfucker oh right motherfucker oh. and, and they like, show the mother and yeah. then they yeah. zoom out so i feel like <laughs> i just should have done that right because we already know that like in this universe glory curses because we've kind of yeah. seen it so like just like maybe have her go to say fuck and it like a minion yells over it or something. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I, you know, I do agree with you guys. I put that I love this fight scene, even though it's really clunky because like Kristen, like you said, like they're going up the tower and kick one mm-hmm. kicks one and one kicks the other. The The hammer gets stuck on a chain hanging off the tower. It's like, what? <laughs> yeah. That yeah. Dumb. My my one peak moment in the tower fight scene went before they fall back down again is I think it's Glory who grabs a chain and swings around and back in. I was like, really here for that. <laughs> and also, I think the fight scene in the tower made me really anxious. It reminded me, I don't know if you all or some of you are familiar with Annie, the movie, the musical mm-hmm. movie. I am not. But there's I mean, a, I know what it with, is. Kaban, with the original one? Yeah, like, the original okay. one. The, okay. the Carol Burnett Annie. Um, yeah. But there's a, there's, so there's a scene at the end of Annie where she She's running away from like Carol Burnett and like the evil brother or whatever. And the train tracks have like opened. So they're, they just go straight up into the sky. And Annie is like running up the train tracks and they're Mm -hmm. behind her. And as a kid, I mean, still it makes me anxious, but like I just remember watching it as a kid and I was so terrified. Like it just seemed like the scariest thing I had ever seen. And this really like triggered those memories. (laughs) They were just like all on the edge of this very tall thing and I did not like it at all. <laughs> so it's funny because Claire Kramer said, I, Matthew, I can't remember if it was the episode we did with her or the episode I did with her with Dana. Um, but she said she actually doesn't like Glory's end. Like she mm-hmm. felt this should they should have gone bigger with the fight and like she doesn't like that Glory dies by Ben being suffocated because Glory was... Yeah. The, the fight had been built up so much that she feels yeah. it was almost like she wished there had been more, which was, you know, I mean, they all speak anytime any of them are on, on the podcast, they all speak very lovingly about the show that, and she still said it lovingly. Like she was like, I love glory. I love Joss, but she was like, I just wish glory had gotten more to do at the end. Mm-hmm. And I yeah, actually could I, see that. I think everyone kind of feels that. And then I think yeah. that's what we were saying before is like, it just, she doesn't, um, I mean, she, she is, I think the way that they write around it is that she just touched the Dagon Sphere and she got brain sucked. Reverse so brain she's not yeah. fighting. She's not fighting at her most capable, I guess, mm-hmm. is the way that they try to sell it, that it's like a quick fight. But I, one of the things that I think I'm missing from the fight and what Claire might be talking about and other people might be talking about is like, um, <laughs> when you think back at like some of the great final fights that Buffy does have I also feel like and this goes back to what I think Kristen was saying was like kind of the sexual tension is missing for me like Buffy and Glory have been flirting with each other (laughs) and like fighting is such a sexy thing 
and I kind of and like their fight is actually seems really neutered and like un yeah. unintense. And I wish that there was like more of them up in each other's face, like which really they, giving it to each other. Yeah, which they had in the beginning with the robot, which was such right. a great yeah, such a great reveal. And Glory's line, hey, wow, the Slayer's a robot. Yeah. Did everybody else know the Slayer was a robot? Like, <laughs> such a great line. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, once they get past that, then it's straight up the tower and just like hammering each other, literally, but not sexually. Um, <laughs> and well, then, it's, yeah. I think Dawn, it's like, I think Dawn, the, the distraction of Dawn is what like takes the like fun out of the fight. It seems like Buffy is just sort of like, I need to get up to Dawn. And it's like, instead of like, I feel like the other fights where she's like really fighting the big bads of the seasons, it's just about the two of them. I mean, it's just about them. Whereas yeah. like, this time it's like, she has to save Dawn. And so Glory just gets like the shit under the stick, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Before we like move forward into the fight, since we just scooped back to the Buffy bot, right before the Buffy bot moment is a moment that made me cry so much where Tara and Willow get back together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, Tara is like, I got so lost. And then Willow oh says, I will always find you. <laughs> yes. Oh, God. It really, it really um, got me. I didn't know, like, I didn't expect it. And I just, like, I cried and cried because it was mm-hmm. so beautiful. Mm-hmm. <sighs> okay, now we can get back to the fight. So, Kristen, I'm yep. so glad we're the same emotional monster because... <laughs> So much of this podcast has been like me being like, oh my God, I cried. And Matthew's like, Ian, I didn't cry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I really cried. I just felt like, I also felt like out of my element because I don't often cry in the episodes when I'm watching them like in order. Okay. But this, mm-hmm. like, I just like, it was out of order and I was like totally like, oh my God. Like, I just <laughs> yeah. really took me by surprise in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah. So I think we're at Spike going up the tower, aren't we, Matthew? Mm hmm. Yeah. We're at where Dawn yeah. will not shut the fuck up is where we're at. I just want to say that the line that Ben says when she when she transforms back into Ben and Ben is talking to Glory and he says, I guess we're stuck with each other, huh, baby, is so weird. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah. why is he talking sexually to Glory? And like, I don't know, it just sounds like flirty too. And I'm just like, she is you. She is your body. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Now that now that's a gay icon. <laughs> well, so since we're there, I want to point out. Also, I love you lost your hammer, sweet cheeks. What do you hit me with next? And it's yeah. the big fucking wrecking and ball. And then it's like, yes. I came in like a wrecking ball. <laughs> yes. Wait, you know? Kristen, I thought I was like, should I edit a video that like when that clicks yeah, through? You should. Like... <laughs> you should. You should definitely put that song in here. <laughs> um, yeah, I I love that. I mean, granted. It's like Xander's moment, but I I don't know. I he and he's like weirdly very far away in like wherever that crane is. Um, yeah. They had to give him something to do. Yes, I mean, they, poor yeah. guy. And I just I don't know, I just really love that. And I almost wish like what is it that Anya says uh in Spiral when they're talking about Glory? She's like, Well drop a piano on her. <laughs> and like almost like they should have just dropped that whole ball on Glory's head. Like <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean it probably wouldn't have killed her, but at least would have like maybe stopped her a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh so I when Buffy's smashing the hammer, I I know this is probably sensors, but it feels like there isn't enough blood. Right? Well, yeah. yeah. The sound effects are very like bloody. Yeah. 
they're also like bone crushing. Yeah, yeah. Like, right, yeah. right. And it's like they I, they like lean on the god thing here because I uh, right because otherwise like Glory would definitely not have like a face. Hamburger. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I, the sound effects I think are what bother me the most because they are very like oh her face is like mush and then she's like right. oh her nose is bloody and her face has a cut. Right. Mm-hmm. Totally. Totally. Um, that's always like a little bit. I mean, granted, I get it because I'm sure they just weren't. A, I'm sure that's probably like the most blood they could show on a face at the yeah. time on the WB. Uh, yeah. But that always like bothered me a little bit. But I, I feel like I, I didn't mean to skip ahead because I did a little bit. We need to like talk about Giles killing you, Ben. You you want to go back to Don screaming? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yes. I just like I just like I just want to talk about it for one second and then I won't say it again because I just like I feel like in this series. When people are in distress, they generally are like they're up and they're in distress, but they're not screaming out. Right. They're just like Buffy's doing her thing and like the Scoobies are doing their thing and hopefully they will save the day. But Dawn is like, I'm going to keep reminding you that I am here. It's like we fucking know you're there, Dawn. Like literally (laughs) the whole point of this is that we're trying to come and save you. Stop screaming. And then Spike goes up there and Spike's like sneaking up on this fucking weird ass dude who goes, I don't remember who this dude is. So I was like, (laughs) who's this guy? (laughs) But like he's right behind and then fucking Dawn is like Spike. And I'm like, Dawn, shut the fuck up like <laughs> what i just okay now i have gotten out all of my rage uh-huh. about this child uh-huh. screaming oh thank you so much yes <laughs> we're yes. here for you Kristen. thank we you understand. we feel you we feel you um yeah so um that guy is just literally in like he's in the episode after the body they like go yeah. to him to like she gets the does she get the spell or she just get like the ingredients for the spell? I can't remember. I think she gets the spell from him. Okay. He gives yeah. her the spell to bring back Joyce, which doesn't actually happen. And then he's in, I think it's Way to the World. Spike and Xander go to visit him to discuss glory. And then he like, I, I forget what it is, but then he like reveals that he's like, actually like he worships her as a God. And mm-hmm. uh... you think they kill him, but they don't like you see, I think it's Xander shoves a sword through him. And they leave the house, but then you see the guy's eyes open again, and this is where we see him. Ah, I see. Okay, yeah. cool. It's it's a very weird, like, because he's actually the one that does it, like, right? Gloria and her minions yeah. Yeah. don't. Yeah, random cameo. Yeah. Don't do it at all, and it's like, this guy that was in two episodes is actually the, like, okay. one that does it. That yeah. makes me feel a little bit better, because I literally was like, who are you? <laughs> no, what are you doing here? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Putting on your sunglasses. I don't know her. <laughs> yeah, I don't know her. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, I mean, I think that James Marster and Michelle Trachtenberg, though, are giving good face. Like, mm-hmm. they don't even... It's just like she's like yells about him getting stabbed. And the looks they both give her before Doc throws him off the tower, I think is like mm-hmm. really good. Yeah. Yeah. Agree. Uh, I think... I mean, Giles does the thing, right? So, I think... And I felt Giles definitely knew he was going to do this. Like, this was in his plan all along. If he sees Ben, yeah. he's going to kill him. Do we yeah. all? Yeah. And... Also, um, I love that he puts on his glasses before smothering him. Like, just <laughs> uh... to make sure that your hand is in exactly the right place. Like, that was such an <laughs> right? interesting character detail. And, it, and I feel like it made it all so much more deliberate. Yeah. Like, he is taking his time. He is like, I don't know. It was a little, uh, it was a little odd, I thought. Yeah, and t- Tara like prof- prophecies, yeah. 
prophesizes, whatever the word is. Yeah. She like <laughs> predicts this, you know, and she's like, you're a killer uh, mm-hmm. before they leave. But yeah, I was glad he put his glasses on just so like we knew it was Giles and not like the Giles bot because probably yes. there's a Giles bot somewhere. Giant <laughs> 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 Giles is like the only one on the show that hasn't had like an evil version or like a doppelganger or something. True. I yeah, mean, he turned yeah. into a demon once. That's but... true. Yeah. That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But this, this, and you, you all have sort of talked about um, Giles' frustration or or exasperation with like Buffy being so over the world that she doesn't really even want to save it anymore. But there's this really interesting line here where she he talks about how Buffy is a hero, so she wouldn't. Mm-hmm. She wouldn't have killed you because you're a human, you're a human or whatever. And I think that there's like a little bit of a through line too. that like, yeah, she's disgusted with the world, but there's also something about Buffy and the way Buffy fights that's like really in her gut and doesn't mm-hmm. follow necessarily the rules of like morals or the rules of logic or what have you yeah. um, that I think I think Giles is talking about here when he says that she's a hero, um, mm-hmm. which is why she's going to save Dawn, even though it might like end the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I just thought it was a good line yeah yeah i agree so then is this yeah so then buffy just runs up to the tower um <laughs> and i i do appreciate how doc pulls it and he's like "Ooh, this would be interesting she just doesn't <laughs> yeah, even she look just at pushes him, him off. <laughs> that's yeah. like yeah. for me that's Academy like award winner joel gray yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. my my notes really went off the like deep end at this point oh yeah mine did <laughs> like literally my like four like I have four lines in a row that are just what the fuck are those aliens <laughs> then I just scream Anya then I say oh my god dragon <laughs> so I was like what yeah. is happening <laughs> yeah I feel like I know this is I don't know if this is like um too like um freshman year like critical reading but like I always loved the dragon because to me like Buffy can't see all the alien pods happening on the ground so like the writers had to make one thing come out of the other universe <laughs> to really show Buffy how dire the situation is <laughs> and they were all sitting around in a room and they were like what can really scare Buffy into being like no this shit is serious and someone was like okay what if a fucking dragon just like <laughs> flies out <laughs> of the sky because we need to show how serious what a dire situation this is right right uh, and we, have we it? ever seen a dragon in no. the, like ever on this show ever the will we ever see it is like the mayor turning into a big snake yeah but never yeah. a dragon if this is yeah. straight up like khaleesi was like all right i'll let one go right. Fair so like a what? game of thrones <laughs> crossover yeah, like, is game of thrones on the other side of that portal is that what's happening that's where glory's from <laughs> mm-hmm. He's from Game of Thrones world. <laughs> the aliens are, this is so stupid, but the aliens are my only thing where like, okay, this is like a little, this is like, what is this? Like, that's my only, like, I get the dragon. I get like the thunderbolts cracking the streets of Sunnydale, but like the, the aliens, I'm like, Wah. what? And yeah. there's so many of them. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like, it feels yes. like that would be a separate problem. Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> I just, and it also feels like they look like aliens. It doesn't look like they're from a demon. They just look like Yeah, no, they they're just patterned so obviously on alien. Yeah. That yeah. like yeah. It's like these are Star Trek villains or these are like Sigourney Weaver needs to fight them. Like I <laughs> they don't seem like up Buffy's, you know, 
on her resume is not fighting those aliens. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe like the conversation in the writer's room is just like, <laughs> listen, we've done all of the Sunnydale monsters. So we really have to crank it up a notch. Like <laughs> yeah. we're going outside of our we're ending the series on a bang. Uh, <laughs> it's aliens and dragons. this time, guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> also, I wanted to ask you guys, do we think that when the portal closes, all of those do all of those like demons go back? Is that what we're supposed to assume or no? They never follow up visually. Right. Yeah. I always yeah, it, it wouldn't like it wouldn't seem like that would be the, the right? physics of the thing. It would seem like they would have to kind of kill that dragon and there's like six aliens yeah. and you know what have you. But yeah, it's it doesn't it, they don't say. Okay. I was I was like wondering that. I was like, maybe someone else will remember an episode where they like mm-hmm. you know, have a line of dialogue. Yeah. Because uh, sometimes I feel like they do that in the show, right? Where like maybe in yeah. maybe in Bardening Part Two, Dawn's like, Oh, remember when there was that dragon, but it disappeared because the portal closed? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I read since since we're in the part where Anya, right, where Anya falls yeah, yeah. Uh, and, like, crashes down. So I read a thing, and maybe you all know this already, but that um, Anya was supposed to die in this episode. Uh, but but the scene where Xander was holding her, she's, uh, Emma Caulfield just kept moving too much. So they, like, <laughs> changed the scene. So I don't know if this is true or not. It's, like, my research is as heavy as IMDb. But it does kind of add up in terms of, like, Anya dying in the last episode. You know, yeah. like, that that would be have been the plan. But I just really want it to be true that Emma Caulfield was just, like, wriggling around. And they were like, oh, for fuck's sake, you can stay alive. <laughs> That would be typical of Anya to, like, save herself from death by just being stubborn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've read that as, like, a rumor, like, on a bunch of sites. I read somewhere that, like, someone said no. I, I think I, Matthew, did I ask Jane that? And she said she didn't know. I feel like She's, I asked one of yeah, the Buffy you did. Alum. you did. And Jane said she, it was always the conversation that was about Dawn and not about Anya. Yeah, I couldn't remember who I, I know I asked someone. Yeah, so Buffy, you know, goes up to that. I, like, immediately start tearing up. When yeah. she looks like when she looks off the edge of where Dawn had been standing and you just see like the sun's kind of rising and the portal's there and ugh. Yeah. Yeah. And the way they yeah. execute this monologue I think is so beautiful. The, yes. the way that they they have us know what's happened and then they and then we hear what she told Dawn is mm-hmm. really gorgeous. And really? it also is a very redemptive Dawn moment where Dawn's like, you have to yeah. let me. Dawn's not like, get me out of this. Dawn's like, yes. no, I got to yeah. go do this. Yeah. yeah. And I, yeah, I do appreciate that about Dawn, right? Like, we've seen her be so immature, but she's like, no, I know that's how it closes. Like, I know. And she owns up to it, but Buffy just won't let her. And I definitely think this is revisited in season seven, right? They do that again, where you don't quite know the plan. Yeah. And then it's like Buffy does her speech. We hear her speech as they're like doing the spell. Uh, yeah. yeah. All right. So I don't know. There's oh, a lot. Oh, no. Then they all cry. Yeah. Then my note yes. went into an all caps spiral here where I just said, Willow's crying. Oh, no. Giles. Oh, no. Spike. Oh, God. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. So, a lot of crying and I cry. Yeah. I I don't know. I, I think, I don't know. Matthew, what do you. <laughs> well, you know, I did not cry. Right. Of course you did. <laughs> well i have a lot of things that i feel like i want to discuss about the ending and they're all kind of like heady and stuff but do people mind if i just like pose if we do if we go there yeah go there um yeah like i i feel like the voiceover is amazing and powerful and everything she says but yeah like that's that's it that's that and then it's well that's the thing right is that i feel like almost watching it this time i was like especially because i guess 
this is the first time that I've been watching it where I've been watching the show through while doing a podcast and, and I've had to talk so deeply yeah. about the themes of the show and everything. So like, obviously I'm not watching it through as like a casual viewer anymore. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that like the speech and the ending works in the context of just the episode, but I also feel like in some ways the ending kind of, is unsatisfying or kind of goes against some of the larger things that Buffy is about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like, especially because towards the end, they talk about how nihilistic Buffy is. I've always, I, I've thought about it and then watching it this time, I've always felt like the final act was kind of like really darkly suicidal in a way that was not, that did, that didn't jive with like what the rest of the show was about. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, you can t- it is sacrifice but it's also like she just wants to she i don't know so and then and then to me it sidesteps like what the larger choice is because i think she is upset that she keeps losing family members like she's going through all this trauma right and i think that mm-hmm. she i i'm surprised that dawn sacrificing dawn wasn't on the table because in a lot of ways also i feel like even though she lost a lot of people she lost it not by choice and like in some weird way if she had chosen to sacrifice dawn it would have felt like some way of taking back the element of choice in her own life too Mm -hmm. you know like there was an empowered way and and then i mean it's funny because in the seventh season in lies my parents told me um giles asks or knows like if we go if we did back and it happened all again you would sacrifice dawn wouldn't you and she says she would that she like made the wrong choice so it's interesting because it's such a casual throwaway line in the seventh season and they never really wrestle with the fact that like something has changed buffy's worldview and has said that like the things that she did in season five that we all cry about like was actually maybe the wrong choice or it was not the correct choice to make you know, well, I, I view this as her taking back, um, taking back her choice, like, like taking back the power to make the decisions because so many of the things that she's lost, it hasn't been her decision. Like Riley left when she was going to get him, her mom died and there was nothing she could do to stop it. And here she has this choice and she chooses to end herself, like yeah. to do that. So like, I feel like. I didn't, I didn't view it so much suicidal as like, um, as like, I'm making this decision. I'm deciding to, to, I mean, I guess I'm deciding to end it, which is suicidal. Um, but, (laughs) but, but she's not letting anybody else make that decision for her. She's not reacting to something. She's choosing very clearly the way that she wants to do it. I, um, I actually got, and again, I'm, you know, coming to it from a very particular angle, but like when it got to the end and she was about to throw herself into the portal, I really did get like a suicidal vibe from it. And I like, and I think it's because of what you said, Matthew, the way that they set up this episode is really, they're hitting it over the head over and over again, that she is disgusted with this whole setup that she has essentially lived too long as a slayer she's seen too much and she is really devastated by the whole thing by the whole system like this system is like fucked up and 
uh, I've just recently watched uh, an Angel episode, Hero, um, where Doyle, you know, decides that he's going to be the hero. He's going to jump on this thing and he's going to save the the world, right? And and it had such a different feeling because you knew Doyle wanted to be in the world that he was in, you know, and right. and and that isn't here for us, which is why I think it gets as dark as it gets, and I do think that it feels really different from the like core message of of the show and of her character like of of mm-hmm. the character of Buffy I, I I guess for me especially with like the feminism of the show it does for me ring a little bit odd that like the woman who's been at the center of the thing saving the world like ultimately has to make the choice to like sacrifice herself to like get rid of herself put herself out of the equation in order to be like the savior that she needs to be in a yeah. way I don't know that that to yeah. me is well, a little bit at odds totally fair. Yeah. At, with some of the like ideas of the show the other thing that I thought about this time and it came up from I was like googling the gift and if anyone had written about this and I found a really interesting article that was talking about like the duality of the phrase death is your gift and it I had never really thought about it before until I read it and this person was saying that it could mean two things that it could mean death is like the gift that she has to give the world like in order to save it I ha- I can I can die and therefore you can be saved but also like we were talking about before like slayers are not supposed to live this long and at the end of it all like death is the reward that she gets for mm. having served for so long mm-hmm. huh. Mm-hmm. Huh. Oh, which makes season six all the more horrible yeah. I know yeah, yeah. Ugh. Yeah, but I but I do. That was a really good point because it is like so many narratives of women in power. Like the ultimate thing that women can do is sacrifice themselves for others. I'm like, right. yeah, that's a load of crap. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, and it, it's it's very conflicting for me because this is the first time that I've watched this, thinking of it as a potential series finale. Yeah. And like overall, as a series finale, I like it better than season seven, but. I don't like the ending ending. I love that like that last shot of season seven for me makes just the horror of season six worthwhile. Yes. Um, right. Because you get that final shot, which I like so much better than yes, she than saved the world a lot. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know what's yeah. interesting is I think that they, they, the season five finale, if you think of it as, a, as the first series finale and the second series finale, <laughs> they kind of scratch different itches, right? I think, yeah. Like if you're watching Buffy, there's so many shows that have to choose what, which sector of fans do we um, please with an ending, yeah. right? Yeah. And some sector of fans is always going to get pissed off. Mm-hmm. And the first finale, I think, really scratches like the personal itch. Yeah. And I think season seven and its finale scratches the like, I'm here for the feminist metaphor itch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because that is That's the one true. where she where she topples a patriarchal system in terms of like who gets chosen to be a slayer. And she does just like shit on the whole idea of hell mouths and like what and like she gets to be that feminist hero in the in the season in this uh season seven finale mm-hmm. and this one is much more about like the emotional aspect yeah. the personal aspect of it yeah that's true that's true and that. you know i cried a lot so don't feel bad ian um, <laughs> yeah sitting upstairs in my room by myself like tears <laughs> streaming down my face hoping that my husband doesn't walk in and i have to be like oh just watching that show i've watched five times before um, <laughs> And that I write, I write books for. <laughs> and that I write books about. Like, yeah, it's fine. It's totally, it's totally fine. Um, uh. Yeah, I mean, 
I actually put that in my notes, like, and I wanted to ask all of you if you thought, because I, I agree with everything you guys said. Um, do we think the show knew that? Because, right, I think sometimes watching the show, and I mean, lots of times, not sometimes, lots of times watching the show now, you get a different vibe. Like, Matthew, mm-hmm. we've definitely discussed how we don't think the show understood how back and forth they were with Spike and how, like, yeah. some of his behavior was, like, just, like, completely out of line. I don't think the show always knew that. So I don't think that, I don't know that the show poses it the way that like we're all taking it where it's like, okay, she is saving the world, but also she's like really fucking depressed and mm-hmm. like doing this as a like way to end all of that. And I don't know that the show, like the show gives us the clues. Like it's that meme, right? Like I gave you all the clues, Mr. Policeman. Like the show gave us all the clues, but like, I don't know that the show knew that that's, the way it came off when she sacrifices herself. I don't know. What do you guys think? I think that's the problem of like extended series. It's why I really, really like this new trend of like, this is going to be a three season series and each season is going to have this many episodes because I feel like you can plot such a tight story. Whereas if you're going season by season, you're almost just sort of reacting rather than planning ahead. And so, yeah, I don't think that they necessarily planned through like, that's the direction that it was going. That's what it was going to look like. And then in season six, they were like, well, I mean, I guess she's depressed. So let's lean into that. Um, yeah, that's an interesting question, though. Um, I had an answer for it. and I forgot. <laughs> oh, well, you know, I think it's that it's also that thing, right? Of like you're in a writer's room. You have a week pr- to produce an episode. Mm-hmm. And we have the benefit of like 15 years or 18 years late. No, 17 years later talking about it. Right. Yeah. What's a math? Yeah. So it's like there's so much discourse that can build up around a piece of work right. in the years after it comes out. So like we're now at the at the time of having like a 501 graduate level conversation about it. Mm-hmm. But like these people were doing their job and they were like producing yeah. the episode and the time constraints necessary. And you have to just like so I don't think that they I mean, even though it is their job to sit around and do it, they have a limited amount of time and we can come to this with having watched it, having already watched the product as it existed several (laughs) Mm -hmm. times over four years. And knowing what comes after. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. I wanted to point out, I appreciate that Buffy's gravestone is still like jokey. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I I do think that's pretty iconic. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I remember when my dog died, I made his my Facebook status like devoted brother, beloved friend. He saved the world a lot just because it was like, Aww. well, I feel like that's a good like, oh, look, I loved this person. But also it's a little bit jokey, um, yeah. even though I can't imagine Willow and Xander being like, haha, this is a good like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, right. But it's so also, it, it is so Buffy, yeah. you know, yeah. it's like probably what she would have wanted. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I just want to know who ordered the gravestone because those usually take like six months to make. And <laughs> and they revived her like three months later in, yeah, in right. season time. So I'm just here to be the practical person who's like, this is a plot hole. Gravestones maybe, take a long time. Willow did a maybe spell. It's like a, maybe it's something that like her and Giles discussed like in, in season one. You know, he was like, here's this like vampire it? book. What do you want on your headstone? Yeah. <laughs> Part well, of actually, Ian, Ian had a good thing. Maybe maybe the grave was just a spell. I that... feel like Willow could have done oh. a quick rest. And that was the beginning. Like, she made this gravestone, and Tara was like, Willow, you're using too much magic. We could have just ordered a headstone for her. <laughs> She's like, you know how long that would have taken? <laughs> True. 
All right, so I guess we're at the end, aren't we, Matthew? We are. So, favorite outfit of the episode, Kirsten? I'm torn. You know, I always like the funny outfits, so do. I do like Mr. Blue's Clues at the beginning. Um, <laughs> but I do love that Buffy ter- changed out of her black leather pants and changed into her heroic sacrifice white sweater and flowy gray pants. Yeah. It was a good outfit to die in. All right. Uh, Kristen? I'm actually going right before the change. I will always, always give it to Buffy and leather pants and a tight <laughs> white top. <laughs> True. True. Uh, Matthew? I feel like I can't. So I like the outfit that Anya is wearing at the very beginning when she's going through the like, here's how we can save the day type stuff. Um, Also, don't at me, but I always feel like the Buffy bot is dressed so well. Like, I just feel like the Buffy bot, they always put the Buffy bot in like immaculate clothes. (laughs) And the Buffy bot, when it goes to um, confront Glory, is actually dressed really well. (laughs) Yeah. It's so it's funny because I love I do love that Buffy outfit. Like that's been my favorite outfit for Spiral and Way to the World because, you know, they all wear the same clothes for like four episodes. Uh but I have to go with yeah, Buffy's final outfit. It's just very mm-hmm. very iconic Buffy wise. Like I don't know that I love the outfit itself, but it's a very the Nancy Myers outfit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like um, a cream colored sweater. Yeah. I'm she like... falls in love in like a cottage somewhere. <laughs> Drinking some tea. Um, yeah. And like, cause like I hate the flowy gray pants, but like for me, it's a very Buffy, iconic Buffy outfit. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm, yeah. I mean, I made, I like, I made the figure for this, like, as we started season five so like i was like i need to have her in that outfit for the cover for this art (laughs) because it's so iconic Um, oh sorry do you know i think so the the shot of the buffy bot when it goes to confront glory isn't that the shot they use for buffy in season six and seven at the end of the credits yeah because it always bothers me because it's like and it always bothers me because i'm like that's not buffy it's buffy oh my god wow (laughs) yeah wow Kristen is about to hang up and call us nerds <laughs> oh no I'm like really impressed I'm like wow I can't I'm wait to always get like that's stuff. not Buffy it's <laughs> Buffy bot <laughs> um favorite scene Kirsten oh gosh um I have so many in this episode but I really like when Buffy finally gets up on the tower and the demon is like this should be interesting and she just pushes him off <laughs> Like, we're done with that. Let's move along. Uh, Matthew? Um, I'm going to go with... Um, I think, to me, when I was watching it, the thing, the, the moment that I liked the most watching is Giles coming in to smother Ben, because I also liked his speech to him. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a really good tone, like this menacing tone and and the questions of like just killing some civilian and, and Giles just doing it so quickly. It was, it, it's a really good moment. All right. Uh, Kristen. I'm going to go with Giles and Buffy on the couch in the magic shop training room or wherever that is. Uh, that is the scene that really I think gutted me the most. I'm coming mm-hmm. fresh off of um, a new man. So I'm like really in the zone with Buffy and Giles right now. Maybe that's why, but it just, yeah, it really got me. Yeah. For me, it's like a tie between the scene that we read and the Spike and Buffy scene in mm. their house. All right. We're going to grade the episode now. Kristen, what do you grade the episode? 
Gosh, I well, I don't know how the grading system works here, but, but um, I, I mean, I think I would give this a B. I think this is a pretty great episode, um, all things considered. I wouldn't say it's one of my favorite episodes, but oh, yeah. I think it does a lot. I think it does a lot very well. Um, but I don't know how strict you are around these parts, you know. Um, so we leave it up to everyone else. I mean, I'm, I feel like I'm usually the more fair grader, right, Matthew? By fair, you mean lenient, but okay. <laughs> Yeah, maybe a, maybe a B minus B minus because I'm thinking like now I'm like cataloging I'm like okay okay if Hush is in the same bin as this episode <laughs> then like maybe I need to like crank it down a couple notches um, but yeah I think I think a B minus C plus uh, at the very lowest it Ooh. just keeps going down I know <laughs> no 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 I said that that was oh, I said B minus or C plus when I when I started that rant um, but yeah somewhere in there I like you're like it's good it's good it's an A it's good it's good it's a b my it's good it's an f <laughs> yeah they failed <laughs> Ooh, harsh grader uh kirsten what do you grade it very harsh grader um i feel like i'm usually the meanest one wow kirsten <laughs> we should be on together more often because i come across looking really generous um, <laughs> <laughs> now you know i'm gonna give it an a minus because i feel like if you're grading it on on individual episode like yeah it's not gonna hold up next to hush but i feel like as the culmination of five seasons i feel like it was really powerful and well done mm-hmm. uh matthew i give it a b okay huh all right um gosh yeah i give it an a yeah i like i i'm like a a plus uh i think it achieves <laughs> what it sets out to do yes i agree that it probably it's I feel like it's a lot of people's top five. It's weird that none of the four of us have it would have it in our like top five, top ten. Because I feel like a lot of Buffy fans do. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, it might be like maybe nine or ten if I had to like. I mean, I think I've written a top ten list of Buffy episodes for like three different websites, but they're probably all slightly different. Um, for me, I wish if it was possibly going to be a series finale, I think it would have made sense to have an Angel cameo, and even if it's mm-hmm. just like a small cameo. Mm-hmm. Because, right, like, I would have been disappointed if we got through the end of the show and the only Angel cameo was him there for the mother's funeral, which is a good, but that feels like not enough of a, like, final, that feels like an absolute you need him there, not like a, oh, it's the end of the series, we have to have him there. Yeah, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I give it, I give it an A. Kirsten, thank you for coming back on. Uh, always a pleasure Matthew so nice to have you back co-hosting with me <laughs> and thank you Kristen I feel like we've been planning having y'all on for like ever since we met at FlameCon which feels like a hundred years ago it was it was definitely a hundred years ago <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember who it was but I think someone was like oh yeah they met both of you and I was like oh nope the, the people with me were just people that were on our panel it was just me because right. Matthew wasn't even there and I think we were still in like season one maybe season two I don't even know um, but it's so nice to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having me. If y'all like Slayer Fest, feel free to subscribe and rate us on iTunes. You can find us on Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and other corners of the internet. We are on Twitter at SlayerFestX98. You can find me on Twitter at IanXCarlos. Matthew, where can everyone find you? Matthew Rodriguez is the, sorry, Matthew <laughs> Rodriguez is the handle, and it's Matthew with one T, Rodriguez with a G and a Z. And Kirsten, where can everyone find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at, at Kirsten White or at KirstenWhite.com for info on like upcoming book releases and appearances. And Kristen, where can everyone find you? 
Um, you can find me at Kristen Nolene, which is my website and also my Twitter and Instagram handle. It's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-N-O-E-L-I-N-E. Uh, and of course, if you want to check out um, Buffering the Vampire Slayer, you can do that at Buffering Cast, which is all of the social media handles and just BufferingTheVampireSlayer.com. Cool, cool. Thank you all for joining us and thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week for the Season 5 recap. Bye! Bye. Bye.